Hi, and welcome to the Future of Workplace Learning podcast. My name is Johnny Hamilton. We're going to talk about adaptive learning, and this is something that I've been interested in for quite some time, and I've always been kind of a skeptic of it because I wasn't quite sure, well, what's the difference between adaptive learning and personal learning or personalized learning or whatever. It got me interested, but I wasn't quite sure of what it was. Adaptive learning is new to me, and I certainly don't want to look like an idiot in front of my team or colleagues or manager. I mean, I've worked hard to become and to be known as an expert. And if I try and do something with adaptive learning and it fails, then I'm going to lose a little bit of credibility. But I'm not going to let that stop me. It's usually if you are a little more afraid to lose something than you are to gain something, Seth Godin brought this into a really good point when he talked about, well, do you want to go with safe or do you want to go with better? And when you're looking at something new, you could just go with a traditional safe way of doing things. But typically, if you are doing the same thing and the world around you is changing, you're going to wind up being in a, in a lower spot because other people doing new things are going to be doing things better, faster than you. So actually, safe is not safe. But better definitely is. But it takes a little more innovation. You need to go into that unknown space. So my question really comes down to, all right, so the world is changing. What's the state of the world right now when it comes to learning in the workplace? In a recent PricewaterhouseCoopers study of CEOs, they found that 57% recognize that economic growth is slowing that over three quarters of them believe that they don't have enough creativity to grow their company. And workers, through another survey from the Edelman Trust Index, over half of them surveyed fear that they don't have the right skills to get a good paying job and that they believe it's their own responsibility to reskill themselves. So how do you do that? How do you reskill yourself? Well, it takes a lot of time and one of the most treasured and limited resources of organizations and people is time. So we want to get the right information. We want to get it at the right time to help us do what we need to do at work. But time is a limited resource. So this actually brought up the point of, well, I've heard that adaptive learning can help solve this time challenge so that you can upskill yourself so that you can be valuable to the company so what I have is an opportunity to speak with Craig Joyner. He is the Senior Vice President of Brand Experience at Fulcrum Labs, and he has been in the adaptive learning space for quite some time. So Craig, it is an absolute joy to have you here. Thanks, Johnny. Uh, great setup. You brought up a, a lot of really good points, time being valuable. And one of the things that I would add to your comment about time is it's not just time. What we see in our sort of busy lives are we need flexibility. So we need, th mm. we need things that allow us. It's not just limited time. It's like when I look at my calendar, and you're probably the same way, you look and there's already these pre-scheduled, you know, there's conference calls or, or meetings right. or whatever. So you need the flexibility as well to say, what fits in here? What can I fit in this hour? I can only take on so much in that specific time. How am I the most efficient during that time rather than waiting for the next meeting not wanting to start something too big, but needing to get a lot of things done. So tell me, is this what adaptive learning or the adaptive space is all about? Is to find, I mean, okay, so I have a slot of time that's right here. How does that even marry into the idea of adaptive learning? I, I can kind of tell at a, 
at a high level that there's probably a good fit there, but I just don't know. The way that we look at it and say, okay, so first of all, like you said, time is money. I mean, yeah. it's cliche, but it's true. Whether you're in an office that's focused on billable hours or whether it's just unspoken, like you said, it's a finite resource and time is money. And so for a lot of partners that we've worked with, what we see is that efficiency be, can be gained several ways. One of the ways you see it is, well, if I'm going to do some training and I'm going to do it in a group, now I have to wait for a scheduled time. I have to wait for a, a set amount of people to join that group, mm -hmm. right? That's all time. Those people, if they're not skilled on those things that they need to be skilled on, maybe they don't have the certificate that's appropriate at the time, so they can't really get started. So there's a lot of waiting and burn time in, term, in terms of just that on the time end of it. The other thing is adaptive. It allows people to go at their own pace. And the idea of adaptive is really we're going to create a scalable, dedicated, one-on-one -on -one coach situation, right? to get the most performance out of you, to push you, but not push you too hard. That's interesting that you, you talk about the coach model and you talk about scale, because those two things I usually see as two opposite ends of a spectrum. You either have a one-to-one -one coach on one side, or you have something at scale that everybody gets the same thing. And yeah. that's traditionally, as a learning designer, I can create some really good stuff. And I also know... You know, when I started having that adaptive conversation and started to explore it, it was like, well, wait a minute. So you're saying everything that I've been doing up until now, this one size fits all, isn't good enough anymore? I think the burden isn't entirely upon you. It's like you've done a great job. And we've talked about this in the past a little bit of, you know, there are a lot of great content tools out there, many of which you're using to build mm -hmm. content. Now, imagine if that content, the, the effectiveness, if it's like if you had that content that you've created that's great. And you could imagine that you could turn that over to a tutor, to this coach that was now going to imagine the efficiency that you would gain mm -hmm. versus somebody just doing it on their own. Well, and right? you also get bored with that. You get out of the, yes. you know, when you talk about game design, you have the flow or the Goldilocks zone, as some people kind of know it, that if it's too hard, you get frustrated. If it's too easy, you get bored. But if you're challenged at the right level, then you're in the flow, you're focused and you're, you're pushing yourself to the next step where you need to go. You're, you're absolutely right. And you get through the material faster. <laughs> yes. Right. Well, okay. So that's the other piece. Tell me, so this is where my skeptic mind kept on thinking mm -hmm. is like, all right, so now I don't have to toss the stuff that I've learned. I don't have to leave. You are correct. You don't have to toss the stuff that, that you've done. It's like, hey, you put, you put time and effort into some things and there's material that, that you can use. Typically what we see, and, and this basically goes back to your other point of time. The other way that adaptive systems can really create time efficiency and provide that flexibility for people is if they're based on a microlearning framework. Right, and, okay. And what that does is there's a couple of reasons why. One is the microlearning framework allows people to more efficiently take in that knowledge. It also provides them with the ability to, it's like, I can get in there on a, on a micro learning, you know, section, I can get in there and I complete one, you know, there's, maybe there's a video in there that's five minutes, mm -hmm. maybe there's a little bit to read, and then some assessments to verify my mastery. I'm like, I know that I can knock that out, right? I've got this meeting, or I've got these meetings, I know that I can knock it out. So you gain efficiency that way. The other thing that's really powerful for people is it builds momentum. 
People like to cross the finish line. So it gives you more moments rather than going through some massive series of, you know, overwhelming content before you can even get to any practice or assessments. It allows you to get in there at a very low stakes level and practice. And that's another reason for the time efficiency and also the flexibility to sort of fit it into your schedule. Okay, I'm going to bring my skeptic back into the room. So <laughs> I'm a big proponent of microlearning design. Um, and I've, I've built a lot of courses within that framework or architecture. I, I have a bunch of uh, five to seven minute modules. There's activities embedded in them. There's uh, some assessments that are also in there. And that's great. And it's a good design and people really enjoy them for the time efficiencies, but more so because it's go in, get the thing that I want and then leave. But you're also talking about greater time efficiencies. And so that's where my skeptic mind kept on coming back in. Let's say I've made five modules. They're each five minutes long. So that's 25 minutes total. But everybody gets the same thing. Everybody goes through the five minute modules, all of them. But what's different about adaptive? How could adaptive make that less than 25 minutes? Well, typically what we see across the board from our customers are you know, a range of experiences and background. Mm -hmm. so yes. One, so one, one example is in our platform is we don't force anyone to consume any content. So if you know, people get to a micro learning, and again, it helps that it's a micro learning section because people can look at that and say, hey, you know what, this is, for example, let's take a compliance training. Yeah. And they could say, you know what, I actually learned how to do this at my other job. Maybe, yes. that, maybe that applies what's here. Because one thing that people don't like, once you get something, I mean, have you ever sat there and somebody's telling you a story and you already know the end punchline? It's the worst. It, yes, it's the worst. People get impatient. Mm -hmm. and, the, and one of the things that we need too with any of this training is you need buy-in. And people talk a lot about engagement. Right. And, enga and engagement comes from buy-in where people say, hey, this is, this is relevant to me. This is powerful for me. I'm going to use this. So forcing people to consume any content. So one of the things on our platform that allows us to do is allows people to jump right into the practice. If they have prior experience or believe they have mastery over that material, they're not forced to consume any content. This actually happens a lot more than you think. But when we look across at a lot of our partners, you know, people will be jumping into a section here or a section there. And one of two things happened. They either are correct, mm -hmm. they actually, they actually have mm -hmm. mastery, and they move on after answering a few simple questions. So they didn't have to consume, you, you know, you talk about your, I think it's five to seven minute module. It's like they didn't have to consume that. They so just they, go in and take one or two minutes of answering a few questions and then proving, yep, I know that and I just validated it. Correct. That was a big light bulb for me. And again, this is as me switching from a skeptic to a fan. I'm like, wait a minute. So as a learning designer, I built this learning. And instead of forcing everybody to go in, everybody has to learn and then do some activities and then do a knowledge check or performance evaluation, some kind of an assessment. And what you're saying is the time savings comes in from offering a choice. You can learn in these different modalities if you want, but in order to finish this module, all you need to do is prove that you can master this assessment. Is that correct? Yes, it's all, all about mastery. And in our platform, we're very focused on application level mm. mastery. 
And the, the other thing too, just back up a little bit and, and make sure we're covering our bases here. Yeah. When we talk, when I say these things like time is money and all these things, all these things are true and we want the speed and people to go through. But the other side of the coin that we need to talk about is the balance of that. And that's why instead of speed, I, I use the word efficiency. Okay, because, tell me the difference. Well, because we can't just look at the speed through the training course. We also have to look at the result. <laughs> so if, yes. if someone said, hey, you know what? I learned that in five minutes. And all of a sudden you go outside, you know, and, and their job was to build a bicycle. And you look at the bicycle and, you can, <laughs> and, and the wheel falls off. It's like faster didn't matter. Right. So there's a balance between speed and mastery. Absolutely. And so, what, you, what you want is mastery. You don't particularly care how fast you go through. You just what, want to make sure that you have attained mastery and proven that. You know what? I would play the skeptic to you. I would say we, we, we do. We want both. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're greedy. Yes. And you know what? Technology has taught us that's the world we live in, right? It's like yes. years ago, you know, we would sit there and wait and the computer would start up. We would wait while it booted up. But right. Once, we, once we've seen better, we can't go back. And you know, I love having the abundance mentality of yes and, yes both. Yeah. Yes, you can have, have uh, yeah. both. Be greedy. Yes. <laughs> be, be greedy. Want it all. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're balancing, right? Balancing. People are going to go through here and you're going to go, look, we're going to gain the greatest efficiency. Micro learning is going to get us part of the way. This adaptive, personalized, one-on-one -on -one style coach is going to push us and accelerate as quickly as possible. Again, the micro learning is give us the flexibility that we're going to get speed efficiency because we're going to fit it in in places where we might not have been able to fit in other training during our day. Okay. So we're, we're gaining the ability to skip material and not consume any more than we need to. I love that. Okay, so we've talked about the time and the time efficiency that can be gained. Tell me a little bit more about the varying levels and what can adaptive do to this? Because when I was, again, a skeptic, I'm like, you know, I've been in this field for two decades. I know how to write good questions. I know about blooms. I know about depth and complexity. And, and I know that kind of stuff. But what can adaptive do differently well, that changes the game when it comes to serving up the right content to the right people. What does it do there? What's different? You know, the other thing that we found, Johnny, is, is really powerful is I think people can look at Blooms and look at it and say, okay, here we are at the remember level. Here we are at the understand level. Here we're at the analyze level. Mm -hmm. And we can very easily make the assumption that, for example, this understand question, it's an understand question. Right. So that's got to be more difficult than a remember question. Yes. The system is actually figuring out, no, actually, in this case, based on people going through, actually, this remember question is actually more difficult than this understand question. So the system is gaining sophistication, right? And what's surprising, too, for a lot of people is it doesn't take very many people through for the system to actually learn. I always talk about it in terms of just the real life one-on-one -on -one tutor or the coach that's right there. It doesn't really take that many experiences for them to really figure out what a good sequence of things, a good order for things, if they're a subject matter expert to really help people get through the material. And that's really what the system does. It's figuring it out. And so even though the experienced instructional designer might say, oh, this one's going to be harder because it's an application level. So don't serve it to them until here or there isn't necessarily there in a sort of one-size-fits-all class, isn't necessarily there for the learner, even though the instructional designer knows this is harder, 
in a traditional course, it's very possible for a learner to be served a difficult question that they then get wrong and then served an even more difficult one right after that. Yes. Right? And, and what we found, we talk about like sort of Fulcum's mission. Our mission is to turn students, and in this case, employees, into learners and to turn those learners into confident subject matter masters. You'll note on there, it's not just subject matter masters, it's confident subject matter masters. And that plays a huge role. Confidence plays a huge role in application. Well, how so? That's an interesting thought. It has a good ring to it, but well, can, can you tell good, me more about that? I think one of the ways that I, people often relate to it is a lot of people have maybe experienced uh, trying to learn a second language. Yeah. And in that experience, you kind of get some mastery, but when you're not confident, you don't necessarily apply that. No, it kind of goes back to what I was saying at the very beginning. I don't want to be seen as an idiot with all of this stuff. I'm an expert in a lot of fields and I built up some credibility. And now I'm in a spot where I feel unconfident about this. And yes, my effective filter is really up high. You're absolutely right. And if you look at it that way, it's like when your confidence goes down, your ability to apply goes down. That's right. You're, and right? You're, in a, you're in the fight or flight mode and you can't learn. Your brain is not in that space to be able to process new information. Yes. And, and one of, I think one of the best examples that I've really thought of that sort of relates to a lot of people, and even though not everyone understands or knows the NBA, most people are familiar with LeBron James. Yeah. And here you have a guy who was in high school. I mean, he was already in high school. People were like, this guy is like the next Michael Jordan. He had phenomenal skills and mastery. So he gets to the NBA. He's ready. So mm-hmm. when you have a guy like that on your team and it's at the end of the game and you need the points, you pass to him. Right. right? He's, he's your guy. He's, he's your the guy. master. He's the guy. And what they would find was LeBron would pass the ball. My hypothesis there is that comes to, it's like, hey, you look at his level of mastery. He had all the mastery he needed. He was shooting the ball earlier in the game. But it came to the end and he just didn't have the confidence. And if you look at his trajectory now, why he's such a superstar, even though you could easily argue, well, his mastery of the game has gotten better. Mm -hmm. I would argue that his mastery of the game has not accelerated nearly as much as his confidence of his mastery. That's an interesting point. So at the end of the game now, when you see him now at the end of the game, when you see him in the NBA finals and they pass him the ball, sure, there are times where he's not open and he'll pass the ball. But if he's open, he takes that shot. Boom. No hesitation. He does it. That confidence has changed. Yes. That confidence and that increases that application. So if you have low confidence, but you have mastery, it's like the likelihood of you applying it goes down. That's a really amazing thing. So that's another, another advantage of using an adaptive methodology in terms of how you are approaching learning in the workplace. It absolutely can be, you know, and, and most of the adaptive players, not just folk or most of the adaptive players are concerned with this idea of confidence and mm-hmm. trying to build it. Their approaches and philosophies are different. You know, one of the ways that the big sort of separating points is that in Fulcrum system, we're mapping behavior and performance. In some of the other systems, they're asking you, every time you answer a question, they're asking you, how confident are you in this answer? Well, That's the way that a reasonable built, thing to do. It, 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 would, it would seem like it, but what happens, and we know this from experience, imagine a, imagine a really long course. Mm-hmm. And one is it's subjective data when I ask you because right. it's something you feel. And then the other thing is what we found is it's, you create potentially for decision fatigue. 
You're every, because they're asking the same thing over and over again. You're, you're after every question. You're like, are you sure? I mean, and again, <laughs> I, I always go back to the one-on-one tutor. Imagine I'm tutoring you in some subject and I'm like, Johnny, what's this? And you tell me, and I'm like, how confident are you? Right. Uh, five plus over, seven is 12, over. right? And every single sure? time. Every, right. I, yes. And I'm asking, are you sure? Are you, sure? Are you confident? <laughs> It's like every time. And so we've really specifically gone out of our way and we look at it from a very hardcore data science perspective. And our goal was how can we determine people's level of confidence without having to actually ask them? Well, how do you do that? It goes back to the the system's ability to map both performance and behaviors. Wow. We're taking in just a ton of data. And one of the ways that we're able to do that is some of the other adaptive approaches are really what I would call a question funnel. They give you a question. If you get it right, you move on to another question. If you get it wrong, you move on to a piece of content. And it's really what we found is that's more of like a test prep strategy. You know, and our goal is really this idea of that you're going to learn more, remember more, and apply more. And there's a sequence to that. And that's Mm. really, really what we're going after. Part of the way that we get that is that we're giving people a lot of choice. So when people go into new material, They can choose, do I want to see something? Do I want to read something? Or do I want to jump right into practice? And we're allowing people, and that autonomy creates a a big deal. It is. And as as we've talked about before, it's one of the things that the learners talk most frequently about our platform. And they literally, they say, I love the way your platform put me in the driver's seat. Well, and that's something that I always try to do when I'm developing learning is, you know, to bring up choice, to make sure that people are in the flow so it's not too hard, not too easy that it's small, that it's, it's very brief. So those are all good design principles to follow. And what it sounds like you're saying is, yes, I still do that. All of that still applies. It's that here is an additional layer that can be added on so that my methodologies of good instructional design for adults, choice, have it small, give them just what they need at the level that they need, that all still applies. So I don't have to throw everything out to try this new space of adaptive learning. You do not. In fact, I think what we've seen lately is, you know, an explosion of content development tools. If you look at like the production value of easy, simple instructional design tools, right? Right. Versus, you know, 10 years ago, it is just (laughs) night and day. Yes. Which as we've talked about is critical because for our audience, our learners, it's like, hey, the whole world, production value has just ramped up in all aspects of their life. So they expect that. And I think for the instructional designer, I feel like people found tools and they're like, I love what I'm doing. I love what I'm creating. I love the production value. And then all of a sudden, you know, these other technologies came in and what people were like, oh, I can't use that tool. Right. The thing I've invested all my time to learn and get good at. We're at 2020 and Flash died officially this year. So there yeah. was many industries that yeah. you know, developed in Flash. Yes. And, you know, we get hooked to our tools and it's not just the fear of jumping to something new. It's the fear of abandoning what I love, right? So yes. it's like you see these technologies coming to you. So what some of them are asking you is not just this big leap of faith to jump to my new technology. It's like saying you need to go and live on this desert island. What I'm saying to you with our technology is, hey, bring all your stuff. Right. <laughs> that's, you know, that's a big difference. It's, it's, it's a huge, it's bring your house, put your house on this island. But it, that's different than like you get dropped off with a quarter and some shoes, right? <laughs> I mean, it's and, just and a map, you know? Yeah. Yes. To me, if I say to you, Hey, I'm going to blindfold you 
and I'm going to drop you off somewhere and I'm going to say, hey, you're naked with a quarter. That's scary. But if I say, hey, Johnny, I'm going to blindfold you and drop you off and I'll give you a compass and this GPS and these other tools, that's an adventure and exciting. You have just sold me on that. That's a wonderful idea. And I think that's a great place to give a pause to this episode. There's a lot more things we need to continue discussing. And I'm definitely going to have you back as we talk more about this space of adaptive learning. And now that we know that we have a good mat and a compass and a back box of snacks here to go with this, we are going to go on this journey and really explore what we can do with adaptive learning. Thank you, Johnny. Always insightful. Craig, thank you so much for coming to our episode of the Future of Workplace Learning. This has been a wonderful discussion.